0: Welcome to hat City on WXI 91.7, Danbury's only all-hockey radio show.
1: Uh, I know that some in our audience You're don't know the
2: defense. finer points of hockey. you your team is unprotected. And the crowd, they grow restless, they basically
1: expect it. You want me to dummy you again? away.
0: Good evening folks and welcome to WXCI Danbury on FM at 91.7 and streaming online at WXCI.org live here from Western Connecticut State University you're listening to Hatrick City Danbury's all hockey radio show I am DJ Cake, and I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Mr. DJ Uncle Matt Matt how we doing?
3: Doing pretty good DJ Uncle Matt is in the building great to be here tonight for another episode.
0: Yes, and we have a very, very cool episode for you guys. We have Hatrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, coming in, talking about this past weekend and what to expect this weekend, as well as Danbury superfan, Postal Joe Trench. Got a few words about him.
3: Postal Joe Trench is one of the mega fans here in Danbury, and he, he's got a lot of stories from over the years, and uh, he's the one million view man on Instagram. I posted a video of him just saying, Wahoo, Hatricks baby, and uh, he, he got over a million views on there, so it's, it's going to be great just to kind of connect with him and hear some stories today.
0: Of course, and we got a lot to talk about. Um, a very eventful weekend in Carolina for the hat-tricks. Um, yeah, yeah. to say it lightly.
3: <laughs> yeah, I thought it was an impressive road trip. Um Friday night, you get a 5-2 win over the home team and uh Johnny Ruiz just puts on like his really his first brilliant performance of the of this very young season, gets the hat trick. Uh just really an impressive game. You know, since, since John came into the league uh at a UMass Dartmouth, I really felt that he's been one of the guys that um he's just one of the most capable scorers in the league and, and you know Friday night was another example of that with a great uh hat trick to
0: kind of give us the advantage that lasted the whole game. Of course. And um you know obviously you got Dmitry uh fuck. You have Dmitry Kuznetsov making his return here on the road. He scores two goals here in this game and then Johnny taking the other 3. Um, you know, this game, obviously a great game for the Hatricks, great one to show. Um, Saturday is a lot in terms of eventfulness and that came towards the end. Um, it unfortunately was also the Hatricks first loss of the season in overtime against Carolina, 2 to 1. Um what did you think about the ending of that game?
3: You know, um one of those situations where I think if you look at the penalty summary very quickly it, 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 starts, it starts to get It mucky. starts, yeah, it's like right But if you yeah. look at earlier in the game
0: uh, there was a
3: uh, Lucas Rowe I think he got hit with a basically a double minor right there in the first period and I wonder if uh, you know I wonder if that's where things kind of fell apart for us. You don't capitalize on four minutes, kind of right at the beginning of the game. Uh, you don't get into that rhythm that you might if you had a goal. That that you know you're playing a second night of a back-to-back on the road, so uh, it does get tricky. I thought it was a good performance. Uh, a two, you know, a two-one game. Uh, no matter what league, what level, uh, it's going to be a hard-fought battle. It's going to be a chess game. And uh, the winner takes it all, you know. And uh, when you go to OT and you get a 2-1 game, it's, it's probably even that much tougher. You know what I mean? So I guess, in regular, guess what I'm saying is to get to a 2-1 game for an OT in this league, it's a hard-fought battle, and uh, the penalty summary tells the whole story.
0: No, of course. And with that being said, this weekend we're back home, and we are facing – the Elmira Mammoth for the first time this season. Um, currently the, the Mammoth are, I believe, 0-7-1. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there. but So they have not gotten a win this season. They've gotten at least a point just off of that OT loss. Um, but obviously I think most fans are going to feel good going into this weekend. But again, some of those Mammoth games have been close maybe a few kind of really separated out games to kind of blow out if you will um but I really think the hat-tricks have a fair shot at pretty much taking down the mammoth for the weekend
3: yeah you know it goes to something that you and I addressed with Billy McCreary kind of later on in the interview we did with him it's like hey a new team comes into the league whether you have a 20-year hockey history or not like Elmira does it's a new organization uh it seems like they got a very late start with everything. And it's showing. They haven't won a game. Uh, I think they've more or less struggled the whole way. We're talking about. Yeah. A, I think the first game was a, a 10 10-1 to 1 loss, loss, you know, and then uh, you're, you're having trouble rebounding from that afterwards. You're even playing in a close game. I think the closest game they played is a 5 Six to five loss uh, yeah. to Watertown. I guess they. I guess they only lost four to two to uh, Binghamton the other night. Yeah. So it, it's going to take a while for them to gel. I, I don't know if they have the firepower to compete with a Binghamton right now. Uh, definitely not a Danbury. So uh, it's going to take a while for the Amira Mammoth to form an identity. You know, and and we talk about it um just in just in the fact that if the league continues to expand not every team is going to be very good and yeah. uh we we've said that before maybe about some other teams on the show but uh it's going to be a struggle for those teams initially now saying that uh motor city has played very well uh they've been pretty pretty consistent throughout um i i taking a look at their record right now what are they, 5-2 and two, uh, with an overtime loss in there? Yeah. How many points? 15 points on top of the Continental Division. So, they're, you know, not to say that every expansion team is going to struggle, but you have to get an early start in this league. I think the early start that the Danbury Tricks got was just having people like Herm involved, people like Billy involved, uh, people like even at that time Nick Neder involved Um So it's one of those situations where when you come in and you start a team from scratch with people that haven't been involved in this league very long, I think that's where you kind of lose time. And I think if you come into the league and you have a few key people like Mississippi does and Joe Pace and a few others that have been involved, Phil Esposito – uh, being former Danbury coach Phil Esposito involved down there I think that I think that that's where you get the head start that's where you get the momentum and right now I don't know if this Elmira club has many people involved who've had a had a history in the FHL it's it's own beast the Federal League so I think you need the right people involved and this weekend we're going to see if they're able to put together a team uh, on the road that's going to compete against Danbury
0: Of course, and well said. And we also have two huge theme nights going into the weekend, Friday being Military Appreciation Night, um, something close to me. But we also have, on Saturday night, Movember Night, which is pre-gamed by your Mustache Classic.
3: Yeah, it's all part of one uh, experience this year, and uh, this is the fourth year we're doing the mustache classic here in Danbury ice hockey outing for men's cancer and suicide prevention. Uh, so Movember is an organization that funds thousands of, um, men's health initiatives around the world. And, uh, since it started, um, they've raised about a billion dollars. Yeah. So it's really great thing to be involved with. We've, uh, we, mean, meaning just really my hockey, my beer league hockey buddies and I have have developed a great working relationship with Movember. Uh, this is the first year we're kind of combining our our efforts with the Hatricks. and we're going to be having Movember night, and you know with that is going to be the presence of uh, Steve Carlson who played uh, Steve Hansen of the Hansen brothers in Slapshot, and Doug Smith, who inspired the movie Goon, which is based on his own autobiography. It's a great book. If, if the fans in Danbury haven't read the book, they should really go out there and give it a look because it's an interesting tale of uh hockey and uh, a very interesting story of how somebody had no hockey background at all, really, like Doug, and ended up, you know, as kind of a hired gun enforcer tough guy that you know he's a big dude uh he's even bigger on skates and uh, he still looks like he could beat up an nfl player you know and, he, and his playing days are long over so hopefully we'll get doug on the show and also st- get steve carlson on you know steve's battled some cancer uh and he's still going through uh different daily battles and little things that are side effects of cancer treatment uh, but he kind of heard through Doug what we've been doing up here for November the last last few years in Danbury, um, starting with our tournament in the morning, and then uh, we have an afternoon banquet that leads up to the hat game. It's the third time we're going to be able to go to a hat game. I love it. I actually created it in some ways so that my friends from the city who I play hockey with, and you know, kind of grew up with and are close friends with. Uh, can experience it, you know what I mean? Can come up here and go to a hat-tricks game one night, and I, I try and give them a pretty good excuse yeah, <laughs> uh, to, to, to do it. So uh, the Movember thing has been great. It's been great working with the hat-tricks this year. If anybody out there wants to come down and watch the games, uh, come down. You know, we're really you know we're we're about raising money and 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 putting a good cause together but we're also about just including the community in something good. I want people in Danbury to be able to come down and say you know they they came down to support, you know, uh just a good event for hockey here in the city. This is you know, we're not really charging people to come in or anything like that. It's you come down, take take a look at the tournament in the day and uh you know support Men's Health and, and, you know, Movember's, Movember's work, which has been really near and dear to me, um, especially over the last couple of months, you know, my, my father passed away in late August, very suddenly, and, uh, he was a big part of this, he wasn't a really a hockey guy, but he was a musician, and, uh, he always played, uh, uh, he always played, um, you know, God bless America. America the Beautiful. He always played America the Beautiful at the Mustache Classic, and uh, it's going to be different without him this year. But I know that I started this because my dad had actually lost his dad to prostate uh, pro- testicular cancer in the early 1950s. It was a death sentence back then. And uh, my dad was kind of denied Uh, that relationship with a father. And in in turn, he ended up being the best father that anybody could have ever even dreamed up. He was the best dad. But um, that's kind of why I started. I thought the Movember thing was great. I think there was some way for me to have a connection was to get involved with this type of thing. And then you know, I had another friend who uh, ended up committing suicide a few years back, and he was a very kind of entrepreneurial dude that threw concerts. He he also wasn't a hockey guy. He was also more of a music dude, but he, he set up concerts, and he had a record label when we were in high school. My friend Richard Parker, rest in peace, Rich Parker. Uh, Guy was just amazing, and he... Unfortunately, he might not have really seen the greatness that was in himself, and he, he took his own life, and uh, I was heartbroken by it. I walked around, really hurt for a while. So, you know, to... to kind of you know to kind of wrap things up is something we've been passionate about it's a mustache classic uh, this is going to be the biggest year we've ever had with uh, Steve Carlson coming out Doug Smith coming out all we have people coming from California Arizona uh, Pittsburgh Cleveland uh, obviously New York City and New Jersey and and, and uh, parts of Massachusetts and uh, upstate New York so it, it, Pennsylvania uh, my Philly guys uh, we have there's actually believe it or not we actually have a sibling kind of event going on I'm not going to be able to attend because I'm going to be here on Friday night but there's a concert in Atlantic City called Mo Show 2 it's a second Mo Show uh, put on by Nick Butler who's been one of our participants since the second year He's been back since Mustache Classic two and three, and I, I was lucky to play with Nick and become friends with him through the Stably Cap, and he he also lost his father, um, and uh, he's he's taken this kind of the next step further, and he's done uh, a concert in in South Jersey, a Philly area, obviously Atlantic City, um, and they're raising money to put towards. What the Mustache Classic is doing with Movember. So it, it's all been a blessing, you know. So uh, looking forward to as many people come out to Danbury on Saturday night. It, you know, it was us that got these people to come out to Danbury. So um, I'm hoping that everybody really enjoys it.
0: Of course. And on top of that, I want to thank you. Um, thank you. Highly for, you know, including me in this event. Um, you know, I, I never thought I'd be paing one of those events and you know being head of game day and you know that's that's awesome and i I love it and you know doing it for such a good cause is you know even better on top of that um you know it gives me an excuse to grow out a mustache but to to say that's like the lightest thing but overall you know it's it's good to get the word out on that i i feel there needs to be more um attention when it comes to men's health in in a nutshell um especially with you know with suicide and cancer but
3: yeah well you're seeing it all um you yeah, know you're seeing it all right now um i go back a long time now i'm a graduate student here at uh west con so it's uh you know I, I was working in the magazine business and i had attempted to do a story on some of the suicides that were going on in the nhl um and some of those issues and uh I found that at the time ten years ago uh I was in kind of out in Vancouver investigating Rick Ripon's uh untimely death and trying to write a story about the impact that that this was you know on young men these 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 deaths in the n h l and we didn't get the story together mostly because the the culture around it was kind of preventing me from getting a lot of people to talk i think it's changed now a little bit but not much it's still something that's very poor risque just you know a a taboo to talk about or something like that for some people but it's something you have to be very aware of um you know our friends our teammates one thing i've learned through beer league hockey is that you know, if you play long enough, and, and I've, I'm have i getting up there now in the number of games I've played in beer league hockey, and it's just, you get a sense that you're part of a community, and, and you, after a while you learn a lot about the, the guys on the team and the people on the team, and you have a lot of different conversations with them, and the truth is I just don't know where I would be without those conversations. And that, that, you know, I I drive to my games every week with a buddy. And that, you know, 30 minutes we go in each direction to the rink is some of the most valuable time of my week, just where we have that time to talk. And then, you know, the 45 minutes or an hour or so that we're in the locker room or in the parking lot uh, after our games like we were last night, that's time that i don't think i'll ever get back i feel like i'm in high school or something and it is kind of childish to be playing hockey and drinking beer late at night but uh, on a work night but um it really is an outlet and it really is uh part of something good so that's what we're trying to celebrate this weekend with the mustache classic and November night at the Danbury Hatricks game
0: of course and to kind of segue into our next topic on a lighter note um there is another team being added to the fphl out in virginia um
3: Appalachian area i think
0: yeah wife county um I, I believe they're redeveloping their apex center so they're going to make it fit for a hockey team um so apparently it's going to be a 5300 was it 53 it's going to be a 5330 seat venue 90,000 square feet um but they're going to add a new a new team to um this league which which is nice um but it it, it kind of is baffling to me how with Baton Rouge they're going to have you know three games to uh kind of figure out whether or not it would work there. But then with this it's already confirmed that they're they're going to add one. Uh what's your take on this?
3: My personal take is that there's probably a, a very favorable lease or I mean, again, I'm just totally speculating, but it could be even an ownership play on on behalf of somebody that's trying to place that that Federal Prospects Hockey League team uh, in Wythe County, Virginia, which uh, I think somebody pulled up a map at some point. It's... I think it's... You know, it, it seems like a good spot on the map for some of the southern teams i don't know if it makes a difference for for us up here i think it's going to be another team that rounds out the south with baton rouge and then i think there'll probably be another realignment of the conferences again next season right yeah because i mean we'll probably get with motor city and port Huron in a conference and then all the that'll kind of even out the numbers right yeah because
0: it'll be a six six on six at that point um i mean hypothetically they they could if they wanted to keep continental and empire they hypothetically could put it in empire because it's it's somewhat close to pennsylvania but i don't know if this specific area is
3: you gotta remember we don't have a team in pennsylvania that's true and pennsylvania is big yeah and i'll tell you something about pennsylvania it takes forever to drive
0: across it yeah i know uh,
3: I, so so my my um, my take is that <clears throat> there's a favorable lease in place a building that's ready to accept hockey maybe be one of the few ice sheets in the area maybe they looked around and said hey there's there's really not that many ice sheets um, i'm not 100% sure what type of sports they're doing in this um In this facility right now, to me, it looks like some type of equestrian center or rodeo place, but I I can't tell you what's going on in there now.
4: Um, I mean,
0: I've seen photos of it. It looks like they're still still building it. Oh, look at that. Renewable 10-year lease will bring hockey, other indoor sports, concerts, and events to the center, which opened in 2019, so it's already open, but they made a new... Least with. While
3: while you're on that, Patrick, let's take a look at the population of Wythe County. Okay, here, hold on, give
0: me like two seconds. I
3: mean, like, what? How how big? You know what I'm saying? How big are we talking here? And what you know, when the ECHL very first started, uh, there was uh, the guy Brabham started a few teams, and he started the Virginia Lancers at a rink that he owns, the uh, Lancelot Sportsplex. And it was a very tiny rink in the middle of nowhere. So, yeah. So the county only has thirty thousand people in it. It looks like twenty-eight thousand one hundred and seventy-eight people. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. You know, it 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 could work. Um, I don't know what the metropolitan area is over there. It seems like an odd place to put a team right now when there are probably so many rinks in the south that had a background in hockey and could sell it to people who remember it as a distant memory just like they're doing in mississippi uh right now just like they're doing in columbus which is not as not as distant in memory you know so it's a it's one of those things where it's like Binghamton, you know, we're doing it up here. You know, it's being done up here in Binghamton, where it's the AHL was there. They're gone. The Federal League moves right in. I I think they've got one of the best fan bases, and I I love playing against Binghamton. Yeah. I I I I think it's a great it's a great fan base and a great uh, a great rink for this league. Great rink to play in. If you if I think me and you have already discussed maybe taking a ride up there because yeah. I'm a, uh. I've I've had my I've had my mind on going back there and checking out the arena kind of as a fan because I took the bus ride um last season and I'd like to kind of experience Binghamton on game day, maybe check out some of the 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 bars that are around it uh because I think that, that that's a great rival for us. Well, I don't know what's going to really become of this Virginia team. It does seem, you know, it, it does seem like a bit of a gamble. You know, I, I didn't, you know, maybe we can take a look at kind of take a look at the video and see what they're claiming is the strength of having a team in this uh, in this building. You know, I mean, are they what What are they saying in this video?
4: It's very own professional sports team. WDBJ7's Andrew is how a partnership is bringing hockey to the area. With County is getting a professional hockey team, and they're going to hit the ice next season right here at the Apex Center. Which means a lot of work is about to begin to turn all this dirt into an ice rink. It's going to take tough work. <laughs> hard long hours to make something like this successful and we'll do it. With County is leasing out the Apex Center to Apex Drive Holdings led by Barry Soskin. He says Hockey will have a future in With County along with concerts and other events. And I hope that we bring things that that make people want to come and use the facility. This is all about the community using this building and they haven't since it was built in my opinion. Matthew Hankins is the Assistant County Administrator for Wythe County. He says this lease agreement will benefit the community in many ways. It helps them to establish a market here and then it lets us uh, continue to to see revenue that we can either uh, turn back to the county for use or that we can reinvest in the property. This franchise, yet to be named, will play in the Federal Prospect Hockey League. And I want them to be uh, your team, the community's team. What do you want it to be called? I have no pony in the race. What do you want it to be called? We'll have a name the team contest. Hankin says the lease will begin in December or January, and work to turn the arena into an ice rink will also begin soon with the goal of having a hockey team and ice ready for next season. We do the climate control. Everything's necessary to turn this into a functioning uh, hockey venue, including setting up locker rooms, getting concessions ready, making sure that the climate control works right. So but there's a lot for us to do over the next nine months, but we're ready to do it because this is a, a big deal for With County. In With County, Andrew Webb, WDBJ7.
0: Okay. Um, in nine months, that's a big ask
3: yeah it takes uh i think it's gonna take a lot well they're gonna really have a yeah i guess nine months to get you need a training camp in september and stuff like that going um listen this news video was was well done and um, i'm glad that somebody is excited about the federal federal league coming to this place i you know we're gonna have to we're going to have to wait and see on this because it just – I don't think we know enough about where they plan to draw people from. If You know, it's it's with county, not Wythe, with.
0: Yeah, with. Uh, my I, mistake. I
3: hope they go – I hope they go with just Virginia something because there's really no other hockey team, uh, you know, like, like at this level around there or anything is not – I don't think there's – you know, is uh, – I guess Norfolk is in Virginia, the Admirals. Yeah, the Admirals. But uh, other than that, you know, I, I think they should just go with something. Virginia with county is going to sound kind of silly, uh, you know, I think. But, um, hey, they're in. This is another team in the league. Um, I think that there are a lot of hockey players that would – And I've said this in different articles I've written in the past and in in many conversations. I think that there are a lot of hockey players at this level that guys from Canada, guys from New England, guys from the Midwest that are going to want to be down south for the winter even if they're only making a couple of bucks. You know, you get down there, you find a part-time job, you play hockey, you live free, rent free. Um, You know, it's not the end of the world. So I think... uh, at some point, uh, there are gonna be as many Federal League teams in the South as there are Southern Professional League teams, I think, in the SPHL.
0: I agree with that. Um I also noted or uh I also noticed that the owner of this new team is the same owner for the upcoming Baton Rouge team as well as Thunderbirds that already exist. Barry Soskin. Um, I think he's trying to like really make a dent in this league with you know putting more teams in. I want to. You know what? That's that should be someone we try and get is him. I want to go into his thought process. He's passed a bit.
3: through. I I don't know how many interviews he gives at length, but he's passed through here a few times. Uh, I think I met him once, uh, maybe in 2014 during the Whalers or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Listen, he's got a piece of almost every team in the league, really, I think. Uh, Does he have a piece of Carolina and Mississippi and Port Huron? Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, So, listen, he understands the business model. And the reality is this. If he could put that business model in place and then find a local owner to do a lot of the running around, I think the league could grow. If you could teach people, it's like any other franchise opportunity, right? You're teaching people how to make money with a specific type business within a network, I guess. And that's, that's what he's doing. And listen, more power to him. Uh, I think... One thing I wanted to talk about is one great piece of media um that's come out recently is so we have the guy Trav is the backup goalie to Trevor Babbin, who was fantastic last season for Delaware, even though they were really struggled through a you know a garbage season uh, but Travis Travis Ri is the backup goalie, and he's also a prolific YouTuber and vlogger, and he's been doing it for years. Uh, last year, he was overseas. I believe he was in Sweden uh, for the last couple of years playing. Uh, he's from the Winnipeg area, I believe, and he's he's got tons of followers. He does really great stuff. It's a lot of really good insight into professional hockey on the lower levels. He had signed... Uh, with Columbus for training camp for a few years, and he um, he had gotten cut. He does a fantastic podcast called Slang in the Biscuit. Sometimes he has Rob Lalonde on there, who's uh, the butt-ends guy, who's a pro hockey player that now makes the butt-ends grips. Uh, but he's given a lot of great insight into playing in the Federal League, and I wanted to share a little story about a recent episode that he put out where it was the road trip to Watertown. And it was literally my exact same experience of having gone on the bus with the Hatricks last year. We stayed at the same creepy Ramada. It looked like it came straight out of a Stephen King movie.
1: <laughs> it, it was just
3: like in the middle of the highway. And uh, I think the guys went out and had beers without me. And that was the first time I realized that, wow, I'm really a lot older than these guys. Like, they think... This, like, old graduate student that I am is, like, uh, probably too dusty to go out and have a few beers with them. But I was tired, and I did. And uh funny story is that Herm didn't confirm with me that we were staying overnight. I got on the bus thinking we were coming back from Watertown. Mm-hmm. It was at the end of the season when we stole a victory from them without our main players, and Frankie McLennan had a really great game in that um, – So, like, I I really had nothing. Like, I had to buy a toothbrush in the vending machine in the Ramada there. And, uh, you know, I think I had, like, a Pepsi and a bag of combos for dinner. Like, when we got back, you know, I had to split the pizza with 15 other guys. I felt terrible. I was ready to buy them a pizza, but they all went out. Um, So, yeah, if you check out Trav's vlogs, uh, Trav now on YouTube yeah, T R A V, but he's Trav for Oilers on Instagram, and you can basically get to everything he's got going. Uh, yeah, it's it's even more insight into kind of playing in the Federal League, and um, he's with Motor City now, and that's I think you know they're in first place in the Continental, and I think it's going to be a great market for this league. I think wherever there's a lot of talent, there's going to be people that care about hockey. And I think if you can plan it right... And listen, these guys kind of had two years to plan this Motor City thing. Um, I think that's to benefit the whole league.
0: Of course. Um, And I'm actually... I'm pretty excited to see them come to town. Um, Do we know the day they come in?
3: Yeah, they come in on December 9th and 10th, which is a Friday night. But we play them... This month, on November eighteenth and nineteenth, so we'll be going to them. So what? What I was just saying about Travis, it's but but, but you're excited because this guy. I mean, honestly, you're excited because this guy is a, a YouTuber.
0: Well, I mean, I'm also excited to see that team play. No, because they're, they're new as well. So it's you know, it's a new team to see. Of course. Same with Elmira. But I'm saying despite it, their record, <laughs>
3: there's just a little twist on it that, that this guy is giving you back kind of kind of behind the scenes access on YouTube that fans really don't get. I mean, I I really got caught up with some of his videos um just about playing in Sweden and the I mean, he was like living far from the rink and he was he was like you know, testing out foreign fast food. It was an interesting kind of take on life at this level of professional hockey and I think that uh it's going to be cool to see what he posts about Danbury. Maybe we can get him in here and maybe take him out for some wings at TK's. That'd be great. Uh, yeah, and, and just kind of show them around town. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, maybe we could take them to Holiday Diner.
0: D- yeah, um, which you just recently had your first experience with, which kind of surprised me. I thought you'd already been there at least once.
3: Yeah, I popped my cherry, and I literally mean cherry because there's a cherry in the milkshake. Nah. Um <laughs> But, um, yeah, I we were recording earlier, and... We broke for a couple of hours, and I went down the block to Holiday Diner, and I had a black and white milkshake. And this is not a paid advertisement. This is mm-hmm. not, and col- this, is- this is just my experience having an excellent milkshake. And if you've ever seen, I know you college kids, if you're listening, I know you guys are watching Pulp Fiction for the first time, where there's the five dollar milkshake. Well, you know, inflation, and you know, almost thirty years later, I guess the milkshake at the average diner is now eight bucks but it was worth every penny at the holiday diner the black and white milkshake was great i'm almost thinking that i have to grab one on the way out of here (laughs) just to satisfy you know the kind of the the chemicals in my brain right now
0: of course and they have some other pretty good shakes too um the nutella and banana shake is my personal favorite uh, that's a good one to try out
3: i like the uh yeah, the chocolate and banana too was good too. I, I, they have a lot of stuff on that list, and I have no doubt that we will be going back to Holiday Diner at some point. This is not an advertisement. We're going to be going there, and if you want to get Pat's autograph, it's a good place to meet us. <laughs> or after, Matt's autograph after the show.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. And um, no, they have excellent food there too, and they're they have monthly shakes, so they have a new flavor every month. Yeah, there's a so. flavor
3: of the month and it's on a little sign outside the diner. It's a great place. It's one of the best places downtown and I think I think I want to trek over there for dinner one night um before the game uh maybe maybe before a game later in the season cuz we're going to be pretty busy this weekend. Yeah. Uh, with the mustache classic. Um
0: it's also a pretty cozy atmosphere in there. I like it. it's really down to earth. Yeah, really yeah.
3: down to earth cool spot and uh great location right there so it's it's kind of like you can go here you can go to the mm-hmm. rink and come to campus
0: shout so, out to george by the way
3: yeah shout out to george uh absolutely um pat tell us what are you what are you thinking about the the hat tricks and elmira this weekend
0: i think it's going to be a pretty awesome battle to watch i mean i don't want to be like that guy but i i think we're going to zero on the weekend Knocking on uh-huh. wood there. I'm I'm superstitious like that. I don't wanna okay. say things like that. But I genuinely I think we're gonna have a decent matchup. Um you know, they they're able to put up some goals against some even some top teams like, like Watertown. I mean they're not we were talking about this a little bit earlier that they're not the Watertown they once were last season, but they're still at least a, a good enough team to be up there and to play the way they did against Watertown. I think that they have a chance against us, but I don't know if it'll really finish.
3: And that's why I think that the hatricks really have to capitalize, especially early in the season, and kind of get that distance between them and other teams in the division because, look, Watertown's not what they used to be. I don't think Elmira or Delaware is really going to make a big dent, although Delaware did have a really good win this weekend, right?
0: I I believe it was either this past weekend or the weekend before. We could check.
3: It was – was it a game? It was a Watertown game, wasn't it?
0: I believe. I think it was. It was against. Um, it's against Watertown. Let's see. Yeah, six to three on the fourth.
3: Yes, and they ended up losing the next night on Saturday. But hey, uh, you know that goes to show you what kind of shape Watertown is this year compared to last year. We haven't seen them yet, but that seems like a bad loss. Uh, to a Delaware team that has struggled, although they've gotten out of the basement of the division because Elmira hasn't won a game. But yeah, I think it's you know it's really going to come down to, in my mind, the hat tricks in Binghamton in this in this Empire Division.
0: I think so too. Um, but honestly, I I also think another like the Continental is also just great to watch in general. I mean, you got that new Mississippi team. Not performing as well as one might think they would be, but you know, in in comparison to another new team that's coming out, like Motor City, they're they're on top of their division right now five two and one. Um, Honestly, this league is full of surprises, and you know that applies to this season too. I think.
3: I I think too. I mean, listen, there are going to be some surprises, and I do think that you know just the way things are right now. In the Southern Professional League, it's there are less jobs. We're going to get to a point where there are less jobs in that league than there are in this league. I think it is so right now. Mm. But I could tell you something. These guys start coming down. Guys come back maybe from Europe looking for different places to play. Guys maybe leave junior or college situations over the next couple of weeks and are looking for a place to play. You can never know what happens in this league. If Delaware or Elmira... You know, I was able to bring guys in that are in that situation where they're leaving a team early in the season, or they you know, they played a semester of college. Uh, I think a perfect example of a guy you could get in a situation like that is Bryce French. He came to Danbury last season. He played a ton of games for us, playing a ton of games for Carolina at the end of the season. So uh, it, 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 there's that opportunity out there to get guys. And I think that makes the difference in this league. I don't think, you know, I don't think many other leagues have that kind of flexibility where guys could say, "Hey, you know, I'm 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 done with junior hockey. I just don't want to keep doing this type of thing anymore. I want to go on to the pro thing for a while, see see where it takes me, see if I can go overseas." That's what happens in this league, and I think you you see it all the time. And we're gonna see guys that, you know, have been sitting home waiting for southern league teams to call waiting for a couple of foreign and and they're not going to get that call and they're going to come looking for us and they're going to be decent players for us or anybody else in this league uh so uh i think we talk about that too i think that's probably a good way to segue into bringing uh billy mccreary on the show today of course so maybe we'll take a quick break and we'll bring billy in here
0: all right stay tuned if you served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans and your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. Even if you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at amvets.org.
3: Good evening, Danbury Hattricks fans and Danbury hockey people in general. We are once again joined by Danbury Hattricks head coach, general manager, director of hockey operations, and sometimes occasional player still for the team, Billy McCreary. Billy, good to have you back in the studio here. Missed you last week.
1: Yeah, thanks for the invite back, boys. Always a pleasure.
0: Of course.
3: Billy looks like you did fairly well down in Carolina uh let's just first talk about getting four of the six points uh, on the way down there
1: yeah I mean obviously that was uh it was a goal for us and we, we would have liked to come back with you know five or six but we'll take four on the road and I thought uh you know it was a good start for the boys as far as you know getting on the road and, and getting to work
3: could you talk about the atmosphere, kind of going into the first road game of the season? Just, just, to, just in general for the for the players and for yourself. It's probably one of their earlier home games of the season. Did you guys kind of deal with any um, any activity from their fans, or was it loud down there?
1: Yeah, they had a good uh, they had a good crowd. It was a nice environment to go into. It's uh, you know I, I love that building. Going back to my SPHL days, they were the uh, I think it was the Twin City Cyclones back then. Um, so you know they've always got a a rough tough crowd and um, yeah it's it, it was a pleasure to go in there and you know have to compete in front of them.
0: Alright, let me go next.
3: Good.
1: <laughs> no, you go. Next.
0: Talk
3: about Friday night's result real quick. What did you see from the guys and how did the how did the uh, the competitive balance between the Danbury team and Carolina shift the next day?
1: Yeah, I thought uh, night one we pretty much executed our game plan to a T. Um, I thought you know Willie played well in net and uh, really took away any any momentum they had. Um, and you know I thought it was a pretty convincing win for us. We knew we were going to have to change our game plan a little bit night two because they tried to they tried to shake the game up a little bit late in the first game and you know get us into some physical play and. Uh, you know we're we're certainly not shy of that but we also you know we didn't need to get into it and I thought we got into it a little too much on on Saturday night and you know got ourselves in a little bit of penalty trouble and potentially took uh, took some points away from ourselves off the board there so you know if I could be picky um, you know I'd like to have cooler heads prevail at times and you know let's make sure Danbury Ice Arena is the the arena that's rocking.
0: Now, after that Saturday game, the atmosphere in the locker room, could you describe it to us? Because I know it could have been a little lopsided.
1: In the room after the game? Yeah. 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 Uh, um, I mean, disappointment for sure. And, uh, you know, obviously you can see with what happened at the end of the game that the guys are competitors and, and they demand that, that they play their best and they expect to win every night. and um you know i thought they were disappointed we were disappointed uh to an extent but we also knew that you know we didn't have our best and um you know we just got to make some adjustments and be a little bit better to to close out six points on the road in this league so
3: far early in the season you have a lot of you have a lot of new guys in the mix a lot of guys that are either playing their first professional games really or they're, they're playing their first professional games with the danbury Hattricks. Who have you been most impressed with and who's who stood out to you of the new guys
1: that's a great question I mean there's there's a lot of them so you know we could be here for a while but uh you know Luke Richards has been uh has you know kind of popped off the page here as of late uh, Zach Penaleon, he's he's a skilled player but he plays with a ton of grit and you know I think um, I think we've yet to see you know his best um you know jared yao has been great on the back end for us so you know across the board um you know those guys factor in and into our depth and you know they've been a big driver of uh, of our success here as of late
0: having two overtime games on the weekend um do you feel that was mainly because of just the battle of the goalies or was it something on the team that didn't click that those two nights no
1: i mean i thought both goalies were great um you know their goalie was uh, was pretty stingy. he was tough to beat, and and Willie was the same way. So, you know, anytime you run into to those hot goaltenders, it's it's tough to beat them. And um, you know, as a coach, I don't mind those low-scoring games, those overtime games, and you know, it's uh, it's good to to test you know our medal early and and you know get the guys into those experiences because you know we're gonna have to get used to them and and we gotta find success within those situations. So.
3: By now most people listening already know that your um <clears throat> your one game suspension for whatever happened at the end of the Saturday night game has been reversed you will be you know barring anything else you will be uh, behind the bench tomorrow night which is Friday. Billy take us through the last three minutes of that game and uh, tell us what happened there what let and what led to you know a suspension being handed down amongst a few guys and and ultimately being reversed.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think we let the momentum get away from us. Uh, we stopped playing our game and, and we started, you know, allowing our emotions to get the, the better of ourselves and, you know, myself included. Um, and, and, you know, if, if I let my emotions go, you know, the boys are certainly going to let their emotions go a little bit too. And so I think if we can um, just tighten up and understand that we're there to get a job done and... Try to take the emotion of the game out of it, and as hard as it can be, you know, it, we talk about this being a business and getting on the road and going to work and, you know, that business-like mentality, you know, takes away the, the emotion, it removes the emotion and allows us just to focus on what we, what we went down to Carolina for and that was six points. So, you know, we dropped two because our emotions got a little out of whack, um, but it's a good lesson for all of us to learn early and make the adjustments and, and move forward accordingly.
3: Something I wanted to ask you, you know, um, it's kind of a two-part question. You have Elmira coming in Friday and Saturday. I don't think they've won a game so far. Um, and I don't know, how, how, how do you prepare as a coach for a team that hasn't won a game? Is this an opportunity for you to play your best lines, or is this an opportunity for you to maybe put some guys that you may need down the line into the lineup? How, how do you approach it?
1: Yeah, I think I approach it just like we do any other game and, you know, we got to put together the the best lineup we can and and we got to respect our opponent. Um, You know, whether they've won 10 games, five games or no games, you know, they're going to come in expecting to win and and we have to, we have to respect that and and play our best and, and be prepared for that, you know. If they don't have any wins you got to imagine that they're going to be desperate for for a win so they're going to come in scratching and clawing and doing everything that they can to, to come out with points on the night so if we bring our work ethic um you know our skill will take over but if we're going to rely on our skill uh you know it, it could be a tough night for us they're they've got a good group up front um they're starting to to acquire some depth defensively so we certainly can't take these guys lightly and and we got to be ready to win every shift. We got to be win- ready to win every period and be ready to win every game.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong on this. I believe I just saw. I think their goalie like just retired. Like I saw that this morning. I'm oh not Myra's kidding. goalie? I think so. One of them, Constantino. Wow. I, I like just saw that this morning. So wow, I didn't see that. Um, I I could be wrong though. So we'll we'll go with this accordingly. But um, with that notion. Do you feel there's still going to be you're going to keep it at that same level of play, or do you have to now kind of think, well, they have this goalie in that, so we got to analyze how this goalie plays as opposed to the goalie that has been playing?
1: Yeah, I mean, if there's a goalie change, maybe you, you have to ju- adjust your scouting a little bit on, on that particular goaltender. But you know, we don't really need to change our game plan. Um, you know, I believe that that we've got the most offensively potent team in the league, and as long as we, you know, we do what we do well. I don't think there's any any goaltender in the league that that can that can beat us if if we're on our game. So, as long as we focus on us and we take care of of what we can do, um, you know, I think it'll be another positive weekend here in Danbury.
3: Something I wanted to ask you, and I and I think a few fans are curious about. We've already seen a couple of uh, variations of goaltending combos and changes. Well, could you? Could you talk just a little bit about what's going on at that position and how you, how you're trying to feel things out or the status of it?
1: Yeah, well, we've got three guys that we're um, you know we're certainly very happy with and and we trust that can go in and get the job done. And you know we've got Willie there that's kind of been leading the charge right now. We've got Frankie McClennan, um, you know, who's kind of waiting for his opportunity, and then we got Butler in that too. That's that's uh, he's been fighting some. Some sickness issues, um, COVID, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, we like the guys that we have. Willie's obviously kind of been the front runner here as of late, and, you know, he's been playing some really good hockey, so we're going to continue to ride that. And, you know, the other guys have to stay ready for their opportunity and, you know, compete in practice. And uh, when their time comes, they just have to be ready to step up and get the job done.
3: Something that was raised on the... um a podcast by the dude Trav, who's playing for Motor City this season, is uh, as as you know college hockey pretty well. You know, there's there's some Division One, former NCAA Division One goaltenders in this league. Brian Wilson being one of them. Could you talk about the level of goaltending league wide and and why it kind of is at that level? Or
1: yeah, I mean, I, I I feel bad for a lot of goaltenders in the, in the minor. Pro level because uh, it, it, it's such a deep position and you know you you look at some of the goalies that are getting cut in the Southern Pro League and you know they've, they've got American League games on their resume um, you know and then and then we're having those calls and those conversations with them about coming to play for us so you know it's it's a deep position and um, you know I I certainly uh, have some empathy for those guys because you know it's tough to break into it and you know then it's tough to really uh, distinguish yourself as a starter with with all the competition out there. So, goaltending has always been a, a strong suit here in Danbury, and um, you know we like to think that we're going to keep that train rolling here.
3: Yeah, I, I brought that up too because I I kind of really wanted to ask you something that's been kind of I hate to bring up things you see you hear on the internet, but something that's kind of been brought up on the internet and even by a couple of fans is you know with the expansion of the league. Does this dilute the talent in the league or is there in your mind you know you've been around so much and you've seen so many different levels is it this expansion moving into baton rouge louisiana next year and now now there's been a fhl franchise announced in virginia in a in, in a part of virginia um my question is are there enough players to play at this level to grow to say 20 teams or something like that
1: yeah, I mean, 20 at, the, at this at this level might might cause some challenges, um, but with where we're at right now, adding a couple more teams, the, the depth is certainly there. The players are there. Uh, the player pool is there, especially being a couple of years remo- removed from COVID. You know, if, if you're asking me this question two years ago, the player pool wouldn't be there. But, you know, now you've got all these guys moving out of college and, and looking for jobs at the pro level. And. You know, I I think, in my opinion, this is probably the deepest the league has ever been. Um, You know, I was a player in this league back in, I believe, 2011. Um, You were a player
3: in this league last season, Billy. That's true, too. (laughs) Uh, That's true, too. Um,
1: But when I was, you know, when I truly thought of myself as a player, I think it was 2011 and you know, there are some good teams and some good players. We had guys that played in the NHL, the American League, you know, but I think right now the product in this league is, is far beyond what it was, you know, 10 years ago and, and certainly even five years ago. So I think with the markets that are coming in, it's only going to continue to grow our level, grow our league, and, you know, really um, push, push the, uh, the envelope of what the Federal Prospects Hockey League can do.
3: I know you're 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 big into storylines, and you you get caught up in the game like nobody I've seen Billy. Sometimes at the game, you know we we've had situations where we're standing together, and some situations where I'm just seeing you from afar. But the 26th of November, Carolina is going to be in our building. What can fans expect from basically a rematch from the Saturday night game in which you the result was that you guys suspended, but it was overturned.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's certainly going to be, I would say, an emotional night for for a few reasons. But, um, you know, Carolina (laughs) coming back into town, you know, we certainly, you know, we got to take care of the points first and foremost. And, um, you know, we got a job to do against them, and we expect three points in our building every night. And we're going to have to make sure that that our rink is is tough for them to come in, tough for them to have success. And, you know, we're excited about certainly putting that game plan together. And um, I believe that's also the... The um, the night that we're raising some funds for the Tiny Miracles Foundation and you know the the NICU babies that are out there and obviously having uh, that story line kind of near and dear to my heart you know it was a big it was a big game for us last year it was an emotional game for us last year and I certainly expect it to be you know right along the same lines here this year.
3: One thing I really wanted to ask you because I've I've seen you involved with that. How did you? kind of align I, I know the story, I know that your daughter was it was in that situation, but uh, how did you align with this particular organization?
1: It's a good question. Um, you know, when mm-hmm. when our daughter was born, uh, she was born, I think, eight weeks premature, and uh, everything happened so quick, and, you know, the birth happened quick, and then she's put into the incubator, and they separate mom from baby, and, uh, you know, they're, they're taking care of themselves and what they need to do, and you know all my eyes were were on our daughter and trying to learn about you know the new challenges that that have just been presented to us and you know when I kind of got a second to to sit down the nurses brought in a gift bag and it, it was a bag from the tiny miracles foundation wow and it was uh you know a book um <laughs> excuse me I'm trying to keep my emotions in check here, but it was a, it was a book that we still read to Isla, you know, every night it's her favorite book, Uh, a couple sets of pajamas, you know, some, some cards to take your Instagram photos with and all that kind of stuff. So, um, and it was also very informative. They had things in there that, you know, were going to help us as new parents in the situation that we were in, um, provided us resources on people to talk to and, and, you know, just. Any information that we can learn about, you know, the situation at hand and how we could help our daughter and, and get through everything. Um, so they were instrumental in, in keeping us on track and kinda of teaching us exactly what our daughter needed and um, I mean you've seen her today, she's one of oh, the she's amazing. kids out there and I uh, we owe a lot to that foundation. So That's awesome. Big night, I yeah. just
3: I just sent your mother some pictures of the baby yesterday. Oh, she that's she awesome. DM'd I'm me. She, I'm so, sure she appreciates yeah, it. She DM'd me about the Mustache Classic. And I was like, I oh, don't worry about it. Here's a bunch of pictures of the baby and your son. <laughs> so she, she really enjoyed that. And, uh, Billy, before we let you go, I, I, I kind of wanted to ask you this. We, we haven't really asked other guests too much about it. Who's your NHL team? We know you bridge the line between the U.S. and Canada. It seems like you you go both ways.
1: <laughs> oh, there's no line. <laughs> Straight north.
3: Okay, but what about what about in the NHL? Like, who who do you generally support, or do do you catch up with one particular team's games?
1: Yeah, I'm a big Leafs fan. Oh um, wow. Yeah, my dad played for the Leafs, so I was pretty much born a Leafs fan, and um,
3: you know, I'll spare you my my you know.
1: <laughs> I mean, listen. I get it. I I hear it every year, pretty much every weekend, right? So you know the the, the ribbing is something I'm I'm uh, you know well versed with. But uh, you know, hopefully the Leafs can can change their fortune here sometime in the next fifty to hundred years. <laughs> we'll
3: see. Hope you hope we got it all left to see it. Uh, the the people have been talking about maybe Barry Trotz being somebody that would take that job if the team kept skidding. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, I can't disagree that maybe a, a a little stronger of a voice back there might go might go a long way. But you know, I like the the staff they have. They've all you know put their time in and and earned their stripes. So you know, hopefully they can just kind of put it all together here because they seem to have a, a good group. They're just missing something to get over the hump. So,
3: did, did, just just real quick, when you were playing, did you have a coach who had won a championship before?
1: I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm I'm sure I did. Um,
3: like your head coach in Huntsville, when you won, had he won before that?
1: Yeah, now that I think about it, John Gibson, I believe, won a Central League championship. Um, but I guess back then, like when I played the... Uh, <laughs> know the internet was still kind of new and there wasn't the instagram and all that stuff so you really didn't know guys backgrounds unless you really knew them as people um interesting and a lot of times you didn't have that relationship with coaches back then you know they were the they were the coach you were the player and that that was the relationship yeah Yeah. um i'm sure you know i played for a lot of good coaches tom ward and uh shattuck st mary's i got to imagine he's won some championships in in his playing days and
3: who were you in, in school with over there
1: uh, at Shattuck? Yeah. A uh, bunch of big names. I mean, my line was uh, Tyler Hirsch, who played at the University of Minnesota, and she played in the East Coast League, played in Johnstown for the old Tomahawks. Um, Zach Parisi was our centerman. Um, you know, so we had, we had some big names. Uh, Chris Porter played in the NHL. Yeah. He was on our team. Casey Boer uh, played a little bit in the NHL. Brady Murray a little bit in the NHL um drew stafford wow uh, staff was pretty much our extra forward he was like our 15th forward but he was a 15 or 16 year old playing with 18 year olds and you know so now he's uh see him still kicking around the nhl a couple years ago yeah which, you know it's it's good to see so yeah we um we we're fortunate we won a national championship and sent a bunch of guys on to, to division one program so it was uh it was a good two year two years of my life that's for sure
0: of course and um I guess to wrap things up here, if we're cool with that, um what do you have to say to the fans for this weekend? What what should they expect for this? I mean, you got, you know, military appreciation as well as, you know, November night, but then again, playing Elmira, what should the fans expect this weekend? Yeah, I mean, well,
1: you should certainly expect two wins here on home ice, but uh, you know, we, we have to play fast, we have to play hard, we have to be, be willing to defend our home ice. And we have to do that at all costs. So, however, we're going to come out with six points. You know, we've got a group that can, you know, we can outskill teams. We can outwill teams. We can be tougher than teams. So, you know, you're probably going to see a little bit of all that at some point over the course of the weekend. And it will be some uh, some exciting hockey at Danbury, Serena. Awesome.
3: Billy, thanks for coming in.
0: Appreciate it, guys. Thank see you, you soon. Of course, thank you. You're listening to WXCI Danbury, and welcome back to Hatrick City. This is your local hockey schedule for this weekend. On Friday and Saturday night, the Hatricks host the Elmira Mammoth. Puck drops on Friday at 7.30 p.m. and Saturday at 7 p.m. Also for Friday, November 11th, at 7.05 p.m., Hartford travels to Wilkes Bar. And at 7, Bridgeport travels to Hershey. Then on Saturday, November 12th, at 7 p.m., the New Jersey Devils host Arizona and the Bridgeport Islanders play their second game in Hershey. At 7.30 p.m., the New York Islanders host Columbus and the Hartford Wolfpack host Charlotte. At 8 p.m., the New York Rangers travel to Nashville. Then, on Sunday, November 13th, at 7 p.m., the New York Rangers host Arizona. This is Dan Barry
1: Hattrick's head coach, Billy McCreary, and you're listening to Hatrick City Radio on WXCI 91.7 FM.
3: We have a very special guest in the WestCon studio here, 91.7 WXCI Danbury. Um, he's a man known by a very specific name around town, especially at Danbury Arena. I like to call him the million view man on Instagram because he's he's got a video of himself at Danbury Arena that has over a million views. His name is Postal Joe Trench. Joe, great to have one of the Definitely the most devout Danbury hockey fans and one of the longest-running, longest-attending fans here in the studio.
2: Well, geez, thanks for the kind words, and thanks for having me, guys. I I appreciate this.
3: Joe, we want to get into a little bit just of your, your hockey kind of background. Everybody knows you as really one of the most... I guess we could say rowdy fans at times, <laughs> at, at, in the uh, when you kind of turn into your Postal Joe persona, <laughs> uh, the Postal Joe uh, name. But you know, tell us when when did you kind of get into hockey? What was your original kind of uh, entry into being a hockey fan?
2: I would say my first game, um, I w- when I was a little kid. Obviously, my grandfather took me to a game. Um, was born outside of Philadelphia. It was a Flyers game and it was like their first year wow. of expansion. And I my dad wasn't into hockey at all, so this was something new to me and I just fell in love with it right away. The whole aspect of the speed, you know, it was a big brawl. I'm like, this game is for me for sure. I mean it had everything.
3: So how long did you kind of live in that area? Were you a Flyers fan during the bullies uh, uh you know the you know, I guess a tough era, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, we moved up here um, in the early 70s. Okay. So that was right before the Broad Street Bullies. But moving to this era from there, I'm not just going to flip and be like a Ranger or a Bruin fan. You, right away, at least, you know. So, um, so yeah, I was I was rooting for the Flyers then, for sure.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so is that kind of how you got into kind of the aggressive hockey thing? Oh, yeah, was absolutely. You're your, your, your kind of... And then something that you... You told me that I kind of forgot about, but I I, um, I told Pat recently is that Postal Joe, Dan, one of Danbury's most devout and passionate fans, uh, you know, always would seem probably you're a huge hockey fan. You have not been to an NHL game since the very last Hartford Whalers game in 1996.
2: 97 actually. 97. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to correct you, but yes, Playman that's correct. <laughs> I have not.
3: <laughs> Joe, one thing that a lot of people who see you around the arena probably don't know is that although you are a fanatical Danbury hockey fan, you've been going to games as far back as the Trashers all the way through, you supported almost every team that came to town, you have not been to a NHL game since the very last Hartford Whalers game in 1997, is is that true?
2: That that is true. Wow, that is true. Um, I had season tickets for the Whalers. Wow, for like their last, I would say, ten, twelve years. So,
3: and you were living in this area the whole time. Yeah, yeah, wow.
2: yeah. And yeah. M- made most of the games, a few road trips, bus trips, and what have you. So it, that was a big, big part of me is the you know the Hartford Whalers. And when they moved, it just ripped the heart rate out of me for hockey and uh, I, my, I said to my buddies I'm done with the NHL I just didn't like the way the thing went down Wow I'm done with this <laughs> so. Wow
3: and so how long were you a season ticket holder for the Whalers?
2: Uh, probably like 10-12 years Wow yeah.
3: that's a long time yeah. to be a season ticket holder yeah. man
2: tell me what you know I, I am so
3: fascinated by the Whalers I'm fascinated by I wish I could take a time machine back to their best seasons and just go to a game and walk around Hartford after. Because uh, walking around Hartford now, there's really no indication of when it was an NHL town at all. No, yeah. very little. Again, I'm just a visitor to Hartford, but uh, no indication really of when there was an NHL team there. Well, Joe, tell us, you know, for us youngsters here, what was it like? Where did you hang out? Was there a group of passionate fans? I mean, Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, just like um, not as a, a section like 102 for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, we were all sat in together in the same section. You know, I had the season tickets in the same seats for the whole time. Wow. Met a g- bunch of great people there, friends on and off the ice, so to speak. You know, I'd see them during the summers and stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'd go out after the game. Uh, There was a – in that mall there where they played, uh, (laughs) Chuck's was a popular place to go. Okay. Because it was right across the hallway, basically. Um, Civic Pub, um, to name a few there. But, yeah, I mean, back then, oh, my gosh, like uh, in the mid-'80s there, especially that that year they they beat the Nordiques in that round of the playoffs. You would have thought they won the Stanley Cup. I mean wow. it was it was gone nuts and like you said the place was popping the the city was a buzz. yeah yeah I mean I think you know this is they lost to the Canadians in the next round they still threw a parade for them wow so, yeah,
3: yeah <laughs> wow I that that's crazy and guess 1997 what was your what was your kind of feeling when when it all fell apart you know like what when did you get the indication that the team was really gonna gonna leave you know
2: yeah, uh, I think we, we at first we were excited because of new ownership, <clears throat> but then, excuse me, they um, they were they had no intention of staying there, as far as I can tell. The his end game was just to move the team to down south there. Yeah, and you know, they kept saying, "Oh, the ticket sales, blah blah blah." So they had this big thing, and people were like sharing season tickets just to get a bunch of people in there that last year. But it was all for naught. It was probably you know the writing was on the wall already yeah. so yeah it was it was really sad those last few weeks you know knowing the thing was coming into an end uh you know in that last game it was you know very emotional
0: so joe um with the hartford whalers you were there for that last game yes um i've seen videos of you know just the standing ovation how that went on but those videos don't do it justice i, I want to know from you how was the atmosphere in that building and you know did were, were some tears shed from oh you my personally
2: gosh. yeah oh yes <laughs> definitely Definitely. I mean, uh, you know, thankfully the Whalers came out in the winning end of it, and you know, one of the all-time Whaler grades, Kevin Deane, happened to score the winning goal. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was it was for you know a little bit of anger, you know. Then once it s- started setting in as the game wound down, this is our last game here. That's when the tears started flowing and yeah. emotions really kicked in. And I don't think we we hung around that building for like I'd seem like couple hours afterwards you know just yeah. t- nobody wanted to leave you know
0: yeah that's what i heard too and you know they were saying just nobody wants to leave and then eventually you know it all ended after some time but what'd you do after the fact just kind of lay it around did you like go somewhere to eat or like what well you
2: yeah we had um we went actually ended up hanging out in the players parking lot to try mm. and meet with some of the players yeah and uh, before the game, we had a big tailgate with like forty people in the parking lot. Um, so yeah, we kind of wrapped it up there. You know, had a few more beers and called it a day. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was uh, yeah an emotional day.
3: You know, you look at the NHL rosters, and when and when the player is an American guy, it's almost like uh, uh, this is a completely unofficial stat. But it seems like one in every at least four Americans are from Massachusetts. You know, a lot from Massachusetts. You know, here and there you get New England guys, but a lot from Mass, right? And definitely Connecticut's got a ton of hockey now. The college hockey is growing here. The youth hockey is still, still very strong. My question to you is, doesn't it just make sense for New England to have two NHL teams? Like, is it is it a stretch to say that, I mean, the city would have to demand it. There are probably a bunch of cities... But I'm just not sure, like, I'm just not sure the reality that we're in was kind of meant to happen, where there's only one NHL team in this hockey-rich area. And then you have three NHL teams in the New York City area when, you know, New York City itself has a very, very small high school hockey scene. It's only Catholic schools there's no public school high school hockey in new york city at all unlike boston chicago plenty other places have it it's fine the islanders play on the island there's plenty of plenty of high school hockey college you know whatever it is plenty of junior hockey low level juniors jersey tons of high school hockey tons of of junior hockey and stuff like that and it would seem like i don't know there probably should be two teams in new england and The only other place it could really be is Hartford. And I recently read uh, Pat Pickens' book uh, about the whalers. And one of the things that um, stood out to me when I was reading the book was that the Hartford Civic Center, up until the Fleet Center was built in Boston around mid-90s, late-90s, something like that, the Harvard Civic Center was considered the premier arena in New England even until that late date. And the Celtics played preseason games there, and WWF and whatnot was doing shows there, and I'm sure it still goes on to a degree. But what do you think, Joe? Is there any any way that it would ever happen again? Do you think if if something were to get you know if there was a new arena arena proposal do you think Connecticut could get it done
2: that yeah I think it would need a new arena because that I mean they've you know did redos on the the old civic center there and it's just not some of the um, passageways are really narrow for today's you know standards I guess people you know get jammed up there and everything and when there's a large crowd there I was there for a concert it's kind of it's kind of a mess but um I I don't know. That's a good question because, you know, would people support it? That's, you know, I I don't know. It's hard to say. Um, I think it would have a shot. I think it would have a shot, but it's been gone so long, you know. I I don't know if it would really work. I I've
3: told this story to a few people, and I told it to you, but the first time I ever encountered you, um, it was probably 2014 at TK's. Um, you know you got your backwards hat and your chief's jersey on, and you're pouring yourself beers from your own pitcher <laughs> uh at the at the at the bar there you were holding one pitcher and you were just telling some guy that was talking to you if you know some guy asked you if you were keeping up with whatever the rangers were doing at that time and you were like "Nah, i stick to the i stick to the minor league stuff now the nhl's too commercial (laughs) you know and you're telling this guy this verbatim in the bar so i wanted to ask you you know like you hadn't been to the nhl for so long where do you get back into hockey enough to be the postal joe that we all know and love today from section 102
2: well um yeah that's a good question uh you know i went to a few i didn't go to a wolfpack game that was the, the Hartford wolfpack came in when the whalers left yeah because uh you know kind of upsetting and here you know we're, you're giving us minor league hockey you know yeah it was kind of you know okay hmm. and plus it was the rangers farm team right you know, right right when our rivals there so it took a while i finally did go to a couple games there then bridgeport got a team went to a few games there but what really turned me was the danbury trashers of course yeah you know, right in my backyard here. I was a skeptical, is this really gonna happen? Went to the, you know, my first game there. I didn't go to the very first game. I went to like the second or third game. I'm like, what the, this is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, here it is right in my backyard. It's uh, the kind of hockey I love, you know, affordable, of course, and did just crazy stuff, you know, it was, uh, that's, that's what really got me going. And, you know, I'm like, this is perfect for me.
3: What stands out in your mind from those early Trasher days?
2: Just the the lineup they put out there, I mean it it was straight out of slap shot. They had you know and not more like the the um, Syracuse Bulldogs in that championship game, if people know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, sure. Mean, they had yeah. some bruisers and some tough guys there for sure. And uh, teams were definitely afraid to come in there and play their their game.
3: Talking about the Syracuse Bulldogs, who the Charlestown Chiefs defeated at the end of slap shot to uh, win the Federal League, the fictitious Federal League championship. Um, Joe, how did you, you know, I've kind of thought about this in some parallel ways. How did you feel when the trash folded up after two years?
2: (laughs) Yeah, Another one, you you know, your heart gets ripped out. I mean, they're only there two years, but you still grew really attached to it, you know, because, you know, these teams, especially in the lower levels, it's a community thing, too. And, you know, you meet friends and new people and stuff, and now, geez, you know, I went through this before, and here we go again yeah um you know but i mean i guess at the minor league level it's more common so but it still hurts though you know in the nhl you don't expect it to happen to your team right you know but um oh it definitely hurt though yeah i mean you know i remember making my deposit for season tickets and like two weeks later you know for the following the new season coming up and they're gone yeah trashers yeah
0: yeah and um when that documentary came out about that, did that kind of like fill in some gaps as to like why that all happened and you know just everything that surrounded that whole that whole team
2: yeah, no, I mean there was like you know there was rumors of something was going bad was gonna happen <laughs> to the team <laughs> yeah yeah but um but no the documentary was was great though it, it was really uh, really captured the spirit of the thing <laughs> <laughs> so so
3: tell us Joe just a little bit about. What, what's kind of your game day process you know like I, o- I always envision you almost getting ready like one of the players is to get, get I mean you know you got your jersey that you always wear um, you don't have your backpack much anymore
2: Yeah well um, the back banned about from the, the building back- <laughs> yeah well the backpack I mean when it was under old management the management got all the concessions so I'm like you know I don't like the way the management was treating the hockey team. So I'm gonna bring my own beers in. <laughs> now we got new management, the money, you know, it's the same ownership as the team. So I'll buy my beers there. Yeah, it's funneling back <laughs> to the players. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, I do bring it once in a while. If they have like a Sunday skate with the players, I'll bring it with my skates and stuff. But but yeah, my pregame ritual is usually, uh, you know, get ready, try and get down uh, to somewhere. Like TK's, it used to be Two Steps. Um, still looking for a place now. Yeah, besides huh? TKs, we love TKs of course. I have a couple beers there. Make my way over to the rink, you know. Say hello to everybody and get ready for some hockey.
3: What do you think so far this season with with the team and how they've performed the last couple of weeks? Really, we're only uh we're only really a month into the season, I guess you'd say, or so.
2: Oh, geez, I'm yeah, a little think, less. Yeah, the team's been uh really pleased with the team um you know they they come with an attitude you know aggressive hockey (laughs) you know stuff that we like (laughs) and um yeah i think it's worked out well and you know nobody's going to come into danbury and push us around that's for sure and i think they've taken it up a notch on the road too watching these two games the past weekend down carolina there
3: so not a lot of people know but the voice in our intro is you from the video that I posted on Instagram that got over a million views of you screaming Tricks baby. Uh, woo! But...
2: Oh, my, I picked it up. My, my question is,
3: how many people have recognized you from that video since we did it?
2: Oh, yeah, I had some friends for sure <laughs> saw it on different platforms and uh, heard from people I hadn't heard from in a long time. Um, I was... Uh, down at a um, bridgeport islander game
3: and some guy noticed you yes <laughs> oh wow uh,
2: uh, 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 uh. yes and then uh, another bridgeport islander game somebody noticed me from the magazine article oh wow on the, on the danbury hat tricks that you wrote
4: hey you suck! hey you sir. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>! <laughs> yeah <laughs> hat tricks baby
3: really really awesome stuff you we one of the funny things about the comments is and I hate to even talk about internet comments but the second time I'll do it on this show we got some haters definitely <laughs> hating. On, yeah. we got some haters definitely <laughs> hating <laughs> on Postal Joe Trench in the comment section but what I point out to most people is most of those people are not fans of the Federal Hockey League most of those people it doesn't look like a lot of them even play they're just kind of like People that are vaguely interested in hockey, but there's a few players that played in this league for a long time, and I just want to double check here just for accuracy. But, <laughs> uh, you know, taking a quick taking well, a quick one, look.
2: One of my favorite enemies of all times is is Mafuz, and he made a comment on it.
3: Yeah, he made like a positive comment on it at some point. Yeah, there. Um, I don't see it right here just yet, but I think he said that you were a legend and and uh, uh, you know stuff like that. Have you gotten that reaction from from opposing players? Dustin Skinner is one guy. Uh, it, uh, I'm seeing it now. Dustin Skinner uh, definitely played in the FHL for a while. He's you mm-hmm. know good old Section 102, still going hard. Love to see it, fellas, right? You know, and then obviously Lynn Beetle who. Uh, As You know, a long time You know, he was a Danbury Whaler And he's been involved with the Mustache Classic The last couple of years, one of my favorites, Beauty He writes, I mean, he, he was a home team guy But then Mafuz, Who, you know, is A legend in the league And a, and a legend at, at this level of the game But, you know He's giving you props, he's calling you a legend So sometimes It's, it's interesting, like I always felt like it seems like th- the players respect you because you're acknowledging them, even if you're taunting them.
2: That That is true to, to a certain extent, yeah. I mean, obviously we're not, we're going back and forth sometimes during the game, but yeah, when the game's over, you know. And uh, one of the first guys uh, that came up to me way back when in the Fed, uh, Lee McClure, his name was, and um, yeah, he, he um, if I remember right, You know, he got into one of our guys and kind of, like, sucker punched them. So this is early in the game, so I was after him the whole rest of the game. (laughs) And after the game, (laughs) you know, we passed by each other, and, you know, he's like, hey, man, he's like, you know what? I appreciate what you do. You make me feel legitimate, and I'm like I'm playing a pro hockey game. And I was kind of like, whoa, okay, cool. I said, oh, yeah. I believe it. I
4: believe
3: it. You Uh know, I think um – so M J Merkel, I think, didn't you drink some beers with him?
2: Oh yeah, last yeah, but, season, yeah, like after yeah. one of the games. You know? Yeah, a lot of the opposing players. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's because I see them more than more than my own players during the game because I'm right behind them. So you know, Pat has
3: has been because Pat was only like nine years old then, <laughs> but but Pat has been talking about the coming up as the 10th anniversary. Of the Danbury Whalers Championship. And we're, we're curious as to what you remember about those times.
2: Oh, geez, yeah, that was. Uh, I took um, a road trip out there to Dayton for the first two games of the championship and we swept them both. Wow. Oh, geez, yeah, it was one of the most exciting things. We went out, you know, <clears throat> some, me and some other fans went out there, Roger Stalker and uh, a few other fans. And um, we met up with the team afterwards. You know, because they they were they were like we we you know we just nailed this two two from Dayton here and they got a strong team and it was one of the best nights and then of course come home here and wrap it up it was it was incredible but yeah they had you know they had a a good team solid team top to bottom goaltending everything you know and they had that grit that you needed to win a championship you know some grizzled you know older guys and stuff you know that you need to yeah you know pull that off was noseworthy there yeah noseworthy yeah
3: that's one of the things it's like there's you know got herm noseworthy still in the building not really uh well i guess he's an assistant with the pro team but you know it's really people like you people like lisa and roger people like tk um that kind of you guys at this point are the keepers of that championship season. Nobody really involved outside of Herm, outside of yourself, I mean, from a fan's level. But, you know, like, there's very few people left. John Kropinski, obviously, still involved. But what I'm trying to ask you is what can you as a fan who loves hockey, and I know, I know you know where I'm coming from, Joe, what can you tell... Some of these young kids that are playing for Danbury now about what it's like to win a championship here in Danbury and what it would be like because you you experienced it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's something you, you would never forget in your life. I mean, it'll be with you forever, and <clears throat> all the hard work it takes to get it. It's definitely worth it with that kind of payout. I mean, it was this. The, we had a parade for them. Uh, it coincided with the St. Patrick's Day parade in Danbury so there was a they had a parade and everything it was it was uh you know just a a moment I'll never forget
3: what what was your day like that day of the parade do you do you remember any of it oh yeah
2: yeah (laughs) after the championship some of that I don't remember late in the (laughs) next day or early morning hours but uh oh yeah it was fun we were you know waited out in the street there by the Irish club there where the you know the route ended and uh, yeah, they came, boys came by in a truck, we're tossing them beers and stuff and it, it was a great day. Yeah. And then, yeah. We, you know, after that wrapped up, went out with a few of them, you know, we hit a few spots in town, TK's, you know, a couple other spots and uh, yeah, it was, it was a fun day. Yeah. I got to drink out of the cup myself, which was an <laughs> honor I'll never, you know, forget, you know, I was just amazed they allow me to do it. It's awesome, <laughs> you know? man. And that's probably why I was sick for the next week. Was but, it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You,
3: you get, a little, uh, get a little strep throat after that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Joe, I think something that you and I have, you know, you being a Whalish fan, me kind of growing up in New York City where it's, where it's really only the NHL for a long time, what, what makes this level of kind of just on the radio now for people who don't know around town maybe there are people that are still curious about the danbury hockey w- what makes you so connected to it like what what What? what's the thing that drives it home for you
2: well the thing with these guys is nobody's doing it to get rich they do it because they love to play hockey and they're, they actually are getting a paycheck for it so they're pros they're playing pro hockey um so that that's part of it and again you know when I'm at those games I feel like I'm almost like part of the team because you know they're chirping each other on the ice I'm chirping them they're <laughs> chirping me you know so you, you feel like you're part more part of the game I mean you go to an NHL game like I guess obviously I said I haven't been to one in a long time but I remember when I was there you get lost there your voice basically you know a single voice there nobody's very rarely do we get the players to like look towards us you mm. know because they're they're not paying attention to that nonsense, but you know, <laughs> down you know this level, yeah, they're they're paying attention, and you know, it's a s- smaller confines. They can hear things better.
3: You're but- like the Sean Avery of fans, <laughs> like you play that Sean Avery role among the fans, kind of a deal. <laughs> My favorite Joe Trench story, um, maybe we could tell it on the air, is where you got your beer snatched. Uh, from somebody in the penalty box
2: yeah, yeah. Tell,
3: tell us that story
2: yeah there's a, a guy on um Dayton Roger Taguni his name was yeah you know, he was a tough guy you know and he got into it with a couple of our guys won some lost some so I'm coming out just after buying a, a, a beer it's the beginning of the next period he's in the box there so I go over there you know start chirping into the box there somebody opened the door to put some pucks in there and as soon as they open that door I'm like oh no and Sure as heck, he slaps the beer right out of my hand. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was, at that point, I'm like, how can you do that to a man? I, beer out. I just bought this beer. It was $8. But after oh. after the season was over, we were laughing about it and stuff. So You, know. you and Taguna? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah.
3: So you and the goon himself were. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> who were
3: who your, your top in your mind? You love aggressive hockey. Who were your top five toughest guys to play in Danbury in your mind?
2: oh geez uh a uh, little brad wingfield of course john Morasti, yeah uh cory fulton yeah um there's a lot of them Anthony Pizzano. yeah i mean i can name more than five <laughs> luke <laughs> warner um you're just moving right up the line there julian frazier um and then today we got our guy daniel ainsbury you know, unfortunately, he's. You know, they suspended him a couple of times, so he hasn't really. A couple you know, of times sh- in two games. Yeah. <laughs> a couple of times for multiple games, but um, but yeah, those are some of the, some of the toughest guys.
3: The players over the years. Have you, have you made any type of lasting contact with any of these guys? Anybody who keeps in touch with you?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, a couple. Uh, Matt my Carancy, for example. Oh, he's, yeah. Yeah, he's playing in um, Mississippi this year, okay. but he spent many years with us um so yeah I, I keep in touch with him you know go back and forth you know tell see me how things are
3: tell me joe we've got elmira coming in this weekend we already we already spoke to billy mccreary but saturday night we've got the november night we're uh bringing in uh steve hansen from Slapshot, and also Doug Smith from Goon. Tell us, have you ever met Steve Hansen before in your hooker? No, huh?
2: No, never met any of the Hansen brothers. Wow. I met Doug last year when he was here yeah. for the Mustache Classic. So I'm excited about that.
3: And, uh, you know, are you going to let him sign your Chiefs jersey? Is oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, Who, I'll
2: get him to sign it. Who's
3: sure. the other one that signed it?
2: Dr. Hook. He, he was here, yeah. yeah. he was at a game a long time ago. Whalers <laughs> game, I think. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: So um if you had to put um you know a little guess on it what what do you think's going to happen this weekend do, do you follow close enough to know if Elmira is going to steal a game from us
2: it's possible cuz you know the longer those teams go without a win eventually they're going to get one and you just don't want to be against you <laughs> yeah. you know so i mean they they they're not playing that bad they they, they get blown out a few games but I, they're just st- still trying to find their way, I think, and, you know, they'll want to come in here for sure and and, and you know, put it to us.
3: I know it might not be the best series, but, like I said, I could be eating my words. wouldn't be the first time.
0: So recently in the news, that has come out that Virginia is going to get a new team, and it's believed that this team is going to be in the Fed. So if these two exhibition games down south go well, we're going to have, I guess, 12 teams now. Um How do you feel about that? I mean, this league is growing, you know, it's been around for twelve plus years now, so how's it feel to see it grow?
2: Oh, it's fantastic. I mean, honestly, Pat, I thought this league was dead like multiple times. I mean, (laughs) I I I kinda compared it to a cockroach, you just can't kill it. Yeah. Tried to kill itself a few times even and it still didn't work. (laughs) But yeah, if it gets to twelve teams, I I think that's great. Yeah. That's great. You know, it'd be nice if we had um, well we have the you know, the teams in New York there. But um, you know we're the only team in New England, which is kind of you know going back to the you know just the hotbed of hockey it is just kind of weird. But I guess there isn't a lot of competition with colleges and what have you. But yeah, it's great to, if they could go to 12 teams. And yeah, that, that play Virginia—that's where where they're talking about. It's probably like about I would say like about nine, ten hours from here. So it's not really close to us, but you know. Closer for, for some of those Southern teams.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: It's got to be, you know, with the Fed, it's it's the right combination of owner and arena. It's got to be the person who understands the business and, and, you know, just the way it is. Barry Soskin owns a lot of the teams. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I, there needs to be more Herms, and there will be more teams, you know, more people like Herm right. who put day in, day out, trying to keep the show going on. Uh, that that that's the thing that I wonder about, and I like I said I, I I said I promised the listeners that I would talk about this a ton. It's there are arenas out there that the league should start looking at where it might be able to work. Uh, there's a new owner of the arena in Lewiston, Maine. He's got the Maine Nordiques in the NHL. Uh, I don't know, you know, it seems like there might be a little resistance from the fans. I don't know. I, I think it's a great product. They might enjoy it. Manchester, New Hampshire. They haven't had a team uh,
2: since. That's a good spot, yeah. Since
3: the Monarchs dropped down to the ECHL and then folded, to me, this has got to be another Binghamton situation where the FHL just tries to get in there soon. And it's been a few years since they've had a team in the ECHL in Manchester, New Hampshire. So that's another place you could look at. Uh, You can make the argument that you look at at Albany. But, again, there are empty arenas that have an ECHL history all over the Northeast. Trenton, New Jersey. Atlantic City, New Mm -hmm. Jersey. Uh, you know, there's 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 opportunities to do things, perhaps, uh, but just like Danbury, it's got to be a place that's isolated from Division One college sports. Very little pro sports, other than maybe a baseball team. I think it works here because we don't have any of that competing. We don't have Division One sports that we're competing with on Friday and Saturdays. We don't have, I think we're. I think the hat tricks compete more with high school sports. Than they actually do any kind of college sport or anything mm-hmm. or even or even the NHL. Uh, it there, there's a few guys in town that they don't go to Hatrick's games. They they'll drive to Philly three hours to see the Flyers play because they're Flyers fans in Connecticut. Go figure. But but you know the Hatricks just don't interest them. Who do you feel is like our number one rival
2: in this league now? Who's Danbury's rival? Um geez that's a tough one because after the first two well no knock against delaware but binghamton and carolina there um those (laughs) those are pretty intense games yeah um you know binghamton looked pretty strong so i think we're going to be going at each other the rest of the season trying to win that division um you know and carolina looked pretty strong too and you know there was some chippiness there so um you know i haven't seen watertown yet i i haven't really watched any of their games on youtube either so it, they were, you know, kind of our rival last year.
3: It seems like it seems like it's a new Watertown team. It's not the same Watertown team. They lost team. a lot of guys. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The coach and um a lot of key players.
3: Tell me, Joe, before we let you go, you have any plans to go on any road trips this season?
2: Generally, um I saved those for the playoffs. Like last year, uh, Roger and I went to, and his wife Lisa went to Binghamton, and then Roger and I went down to um, Columbus. Wow,
3: yeah, I remember that. Yeah.
2: So, um, but I think that's
3: something we need to talk about. How long did it take you to get to Columbus?
2: uh, Well, we stopped uh, overall like 17 hours. Wow. Yeah. Each way. Yeah.
3: And Roger did all the driving. Yeah, yeah, he didn't trust me. Oh, my goodness.
2: I wasn't even drinking in the the car or anything. I was, you know.
3: (laughs) But, um what was the experience like for you two guys to go down there like what, what obviously the season ended in Columbus and the playoffs what what was it like down there
2: oh it's a nice nice arena for sure beautiful but it's big though it's it's very big um so it's again you kind of get lost in it but it's it's top notch all the way as far as any barn in the fed there Not, yeah. you know I haven't been to all of them I haven't been to Carolina, but it it was a you know it's a nice place.
3: How many have you been to? You been to Binghamton Watertown?
2: Yeah, Binghamton Watertown. Um, Ever go to Elmira? No, I haven't been there no, yet. No. That that's a possibility this year. Yeah, they're not trip. too too far. Yeah, there's quite a you know there's you know a lot of possibilities for uh, you know regular season road trip. Motor
3: City would probably be a fun road trip. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. To go to the Detroit area, taking a game, Joe. We really want to thank you for coming in today, man. This was a great interview, I think. Uh Sheds a lot of light on the the Danbury hockey scene, just kind of your background for people that see you out there. It's great to have you in here, Joe.
2: Oh, thank you guys for having me. It's a r- real pleasure of mine, for sure.
0: Of course. Love having you here. Thanks,
3: man. And we'll see you in Section 102. There oh, you yes, go. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. With a pitcher of beer. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one in three Americans could have diabetes by the year 2050. The YMCA's Diabetes Prevention Program is part of the CDC's National Diabetes Prevention Program, and the goal is to prevent the onset of type 2 diabetes by helping people reduce their body weight and increase physical activity. Take control of your health. To find out if the YMCA's Diabetes Prevention Program is available in your area, and to learn if you qualify to participate, visit ymca.net slash diabetes, a public service from the YMCA of the USA. And that will do it for this week's edition of hat City. We want to thank Billy McCreer for coming on once again. And we also want to thank Postal Joe for spending some time with us here at WXCI Danbury. And of course, we look forward to seeing you guys this weekend at any of the games, whether it be the Hat-Trick's taking on Elmira or the Mustache Classic. Thank you everyone for tuning in. I have been DJ Patty Cake, and I've been with my great co-host DJ Uncle Matt and we will see you next week